DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Carlos Silva Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Carlos, good morning. Morning to y'all. How are you? Good. We are ready for the NCAA tournament. Utah State and Texas Tech right out of the gate. And before we get into some specifics with you, I'm curious kind of big picture. And the Red Raiders are, a lot of people are saying really nice things about them. A lot of people are picking them to beat Utah State in advance. They are the sixth place team out of the Big 12. Do you think, and, and they tied with Oklahoma at 9-8, and eight, do you think the mm-hmm. Big 12, when they get hyped, is the best conference in the country, maybe with the Big Ten, kind of 1-1A. One one are they that good? Is the league that deep? Is that why the Red Raiders are 9-8? and eight? Or there's some fundamental flaws that can be attacked by the Aggies and whoever else they might play, however long they last in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think the one thing you have to look at with Texas Tech is uh, six of their eight losses have come by one or two possessions, and I think that's the thing that you have to look at is the fact that Again, going to your point, the Big 12 is a meat grinder just like the Big 10 is. And uh, if you make a mistake in a crucial moment, which has been snake-bitten by – or has snake-bit Texas Tech, pardon me, the last uh, couple games. Uh, and then you can even look at Texas where they were leading them for a little bit and then they weren't able to get the victory to eventually get to the Big 12 title game, which is what the Longhorns did. They cut down the net, so – Again, uh, I, I would just have to tell you, in terms of the big picture, Texas Tech is certainly one of those teams that is, again, as you mentioned, the sixth-place team in the Big 12, but that is a very, very deep league. I know everyone kind of looks at Kansas State and Iowa State and how bad they did, but a couple years ago, this was a league where those two teams finished above 500 as well, and that was one of those uh, really odd statistics where every team finished above 500. Granted, the conference records didn't show that, but the fact that you're able to finish above 500 overall just shows the type of quality team that the league does have. And obviously right now they're kind of switching over. Kansas State had its struggles. Iowa State has a new coach now because of their win this season. But in terms of Texas Tech, I think the one thing you can say is they stay in games, and if you're able to make some plays down the stretch, which is what uh, some teams did against Texas Tech, that being a Baylor, Texas, uh, you look at some of the other losses that they took as well against Houston. That one, they just got punched in the mouth early on, which is something that, going to your question, if Utah State's able to do get on a big run early, be able to hold them off, that could be something that Utah State could take advantage of. But again, Texas Tech is a much different team than that from that Houston loss. And I think that's the one thing that Chris Beard will always talk about and you'll always hear in his press conferences is game after game. He just wants to see his team improve, and they certainly improve because – they're in a much better standing than they were last year coming into the NCAA tournament before the Big 12. And, of course, everyone remembers how sports were canceled. Tell us about Mac McClung, you know, the transfer from Georgetown. Somewhat dynamic, but uh, can I label him streaky? Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a fair assessment. There were times where he didn't really start off strong in the first half, but then all of a sudden he'll pour in 18 to 20 points. Yeah, he is leading the team, but I think uh, one thing that you will see with McClung is sometimes he may not have the points scored that you're seeing from a leading scorer. Like, I, I can't remember which game, but he had four points total. 
but those four points, he had the four free throws at the end of the game that helped Texas Tech fend off a team for a victory. So I think that's one thing that Mac McClung is starting to learn about his game. It's not just about scoring. He came to Texas Tech, as Chris Beard has mentioned, for one, winning, getting to the NCAA tournament for the first time, but the other thing was to improve his defense, which I think he has a little bit. He's still got a little bit of a learning curve in terms of his help defense to where sometimes he does leave a guy open for three every once in a while. But I think uh, when you look at what he's able to do in terms of making plays with the ball, off the ball, that is something that helps Texas Tech open up their motion offense because of his ability just to create plays with the basketball and help create open lanes for his teammates. And I think that's one thing that Texas Tech does covet about Matt McClung is that when he does get hot, I mean, he can he can score in bunches. Carl Silva Jr. joining us. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Texas Tech's going to open the NCAA tournament by playing the Utah State Aggies. And Carlos, they do TV here. We have a weekly college basketball panel. There's a former Aggie player, Spencer Nelson, and he said this, and a former BYU assistant coach who's on the panel, Tim Lacombe, agreed immediately. They said Texas Tech is like San Diego State out of the Mountain West Conference, except on steroids, a little bigger, a little quicker, a little deeper, but that uh, just the signature toughness, the willingness to defend and rebound every possession and just bang and be as physical as necessary. Is that really at the core who the Red Raiders are? Because if that's true, then Aggie fans know exactly what they're in for. Absolutely, and I almost even go a little bit farther in terms of rebounding. They are the best offensive rebounding team in the Big 12 for for points at a time. So I think that's something that Chris Beard covets. Again, going back to that one to two possession uh, deal, it's just Chris Beard is all about making an opportunity for yourself. If he has an opportunity, as I mentioned before, at the end of a game where you get the ball or you need a stop, he's he's obviously he's not going to enjoy having his heart attacks, but he's going to enjoy the fact that he knows that he put his team in a position to win, and that's certainly what he's going to do against uh, Utah State later this weekend. But in terms of uh, what what they both said, I totally agree with that. Uh, Defense is their DNA, their identity, same thing with rebounding. And the other thing is toughness. I think you've seen that in games where they went down by double figures. They were able to come back. And uh, the other thing I would say is they're also a very deep team. I mean, you look at Jamarius Burden, who was injured for a little bit due to a toe tendon issue, and then all of a sudden – you get Clarence Madolin who steps up and is starting to play well. You see Tyreek Smith who's starting to develop into a, a very good post player. So I think that's one thing that you can also, or a couple things that you can also add is that they're a deep team and they're developing their players down the stretch. And we'll see if they're able to get some of these other guys some minutes because, as you mentioned, Doc McClung's going to get minutes, Terrence Shannon's going to get minutes, and you've got other guys like uh, Marcus Santa Silva that are pretty set in stone to be penciled in as starters, but You've got other guys that can also step in and score in bunches as well. How much do you think of maybe of a lack of size will be an issue against Kata? Because obviously he's a very good player. Uh, I've been asked this question a few times, and I know it's a different year or a different team, but Texas Tech has faced these big seven-footers. Matt Harms uh, is one that sticks out to me a couple years ago when they played Purdue. So I think the, the one thing that you can also kind of flip it on its head is Maybe Utah State's not used to playing a team that's got a bunch of six, seven athletes that can maybe blow by 
uh, Keita and maybe get him into foul trouble. I think that's going to be something that Utah State is going to have to be very wary of because maybe Texas Tech does go after him. They try to get him into foul trouble once he's on the bench. Certainly that's uh, not a place where Craig Smith would like him to be. So I think that's one thing Texas Tech will be looking to do is be aggressive, get to the free throw line, and obviously if they're able to get uh, Keita on the bench, that's certainly a big priority. And not only that, but speaking of Kyler Edwards yesterday, the guard for Texas Tech, he said the one thing they have to do is make sure he does not get the ball. So that should be interesting to see how they deny him on the defensive end. Not having a tournament last year kind of throws the whole NCAA tournament experience thing out of whack. And there's so many transfers now. I can't keep track of them all. You know, we, we got BYU here, and, you know, they got the team hasn't been to the tournament in a while, but they got four transfers who have been, including guys who played in the Sweet 16. Obviously, Texas Tech was in the national title game, but it was two years ago. How much of that playing experience do they retain on the roster? Uh, they've got Kyler Edwards, who was a freshman on that team, Avery Benson. Uh, is another player, and if you want to count tournament experience, Marcus Santasilva has been there with uh, Virginia Commonwealth, but did not win that game, so if you're talking about the national championship, Tyler Edwards and Avery Benson would be the two that have been from there. Tyler Edwards uh, did score 12 points, I believe. I know for sure it was double figures, and he had a couple threes uh, in the midpoint of that game, so certainly he's a guy that does know what to expect he can tell his teammates all this other stuff but I, I think as Chris Beard has said very point blank it's sometimes you just gotta go out there and play you know and uh the nerves will eventually get there but once you start going out and playing and enjoying the game they're gonna go away and I think that's one thing that he's hoping to see from his team is the fact that he does have some experience some of it may not be in the NCAA tournament with some of the guys like Mac McClung uh, Marcus Santa Silva certainly has some but He's expecting his guys that have already been in that grinder, as we talked about, of the Big 12 Conference. He's going to hope that that has helped them in terms of just just the experience and then just knowing that every night or every game you play is going to be a difficult proposition. And I think that's what the NCAA tournament is going to present for them. But I think they've already prepared for that by being in the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, certainly the conference has helped them be prepared because I think it was the best conference this season. And within the conference season, they had a couple of times where uh, they missed some ball games. How much do you think that affected their team? Now, they should be past that, but in terms of maybe, you know, if they would have played and not sat out, I think it was a week or two that maybe they'd have a little bit better record. Uh, they might, but I think uh, that's something that Chris Beard will say. It's just not an excuse. Like, he was just prepared. I mean, go, going into this, you, you knew there was going to be a point where you would miss some games or you were going to have some things that were postponed, which is what happened with Texas Tech. You look at Baylor, uh, things were really, really kind of uh, mixed up for them. But I think with Texas Tech, I think the one thing they needed most of all was just to play games. And, uh, again, not the most ideal situation, but I think the fact that they were able to get back on track later on in the season, uh, minus the two losses to Baylor and Texas to end the season, Texas, of course, being in the Big 12 quarterfinal game, but before that, they went on a three-game winning streak against Texas at home, beating TCU, beating Iowa State. I think those three were the biggest things because you kind of got on a roll, you saw what was working. And then you saw some guys step up, like I said, a clearance of the only Tyreek Smith. So I think for what they wanted to accomplish before the season ended, 
minus the loss and obviously not getting the Big 12 title, I think that's certainly a positive for Texas Tech just to kind of see their guys playing well down the stretch. Really, that kind of surprises me a little bit because I thought that three and five finish with the loss to Iowa State, who was you know just way worse than the rest of the league, that people would look at that and say this is a team that didn't play its best ball down the finish uh, down the stretch. Well, the the thing is, is the last two teams they played were two ranked teams. Number three Baylor on the road, and they kept that one pretty close up until the end. Then you look at Texas again, sixty sixty seven sixty six. It was just one of those where you have the last. The team that has the ball last kind of gets the gets a victory, and it was Texas that went went for the layup. Kyler Edwards appeared to get all ball, but he was called for a foul, and Texas was able to get the two game winning for uh, the game tied and then game winning free throws. So again, it's just one of those things where you feel like you're close, and again, before that they had three straight wins. So it, it's just one of those things where again, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the the positive side of things in terms of. You had those three straight wins. You were looking good, and then all of a sudden you still played well against Baylor. It's not like you got blown out like some of these other teams that have played the Bears. And then Texas, it's just one of those. It's the 50-50 type game, and uh, unfortunately they just came out on the wrong side of it. Yeah, and they had beat Texas uh, when you talk about that three-game winning streak. That was the start of it at the end of February, and uh, BYU could run into Texas. Could you tell us a little bit what your impressions are about Texas? most athletic team in the Big 12 is the best thing I can tell you. Their, their bigs are incredible. Uh, I know everyone's going to talk about Greg Brown, but Kai Jones is certainly another really good forward that can step out and make a three. But the thing that makes them go is their guards. Coleman, Ramey, and Jones, if they're able to get going, which is what Texas Tech has been able to do at times, but then, of course, if you slow down the guards, that means the posts are going to really kind of start to to get going. So that's the one thing about Texas is they've got so many offensive weapons. It's just a matter of you kind of pick your poison. And for Texas Tech, that was tr- trying to get the guards into foul trouble, which they were able to do in that game where they did lose by one point. But uh, that's really what a, a team that is playing the long board is going to have to do. You're going to have to get some of those guys into foul trouble because if not, it's going to be a very difficult day uh, on the defensive end. Well, Carlos, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on and sharing a little uh, Texas Tech Red Raider basketball knowledge with us. Hey, anytime. Appreciate y'all. Carlos Silva, Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and it is Texas Tech and Utah State in the NCAA tournament opener. Do you feel differently about picking that game? Not that our predictions are worth all that much, but for whatever they're worth and people want them, you feel different after talking to them? Uh, I don't know that I feel different. I feel like this is going to be – uh, a, 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 not when I say slugfest, not in terms of offensive, you know, in the high 80s, 90s type deal. I think it's going to be more of a grinded out, uh, tough possession oriented game. And I don't think that Texas Tech is prolific offensively. And Akeda, you know, as he said, he was taking it from the positive from Texas Tech standpoint when I asked him about Akeda, because you look at the roster of Texas Tech and it is basically. Uh, a bunch of six, seven guys up front. Well, Kate is clearly bigger than that, yep. right? And he's really good. And so I look at it, you know, and I'm probably looking at it from the Aggie angle because it doesn't do me any good to have Texas Tech win. That doesn't help our show. Uh, that uh, Utah State, well, man, how are you going to stop this kid? I mean, I, and I could throw Bean at you guys, and he's roughly, you know, he's basically the same t- height as the mm-hmm. tallest guys that. 
Texas Tech plays, and he's athletic enough, and he's a good player and all that stuff. So, you know, he can have some opportunity to do some stuff. But what's going to happen with Kata? Kata has the potential, obviously, as he said, if he can stay out of foul trouble, to have a really big game here. Yeah. Because he's taller. He's probably better. And I haven't watched a ton of Texas Tech basketball, but I do think the Big 12 is one heck of a conference. So then I balance that out. You know, what would Texas Tech have done if they were in the Mountain West? Would they have won it going away? Probably not because San Diego State is is pretty good. And the Mountain West did have a good uh, conference at the top this year. But, you know, that's not as good as the Big 12. So all those things, you factor into it, and it adds to me as a, a lot of intrigue. I don't follow basketball lines, but I wouldn't think the line, if Texas Tech is favored, would be very much. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. March Madness is here, and now it's time to put that college basketball knowledge to the test. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, where you can compete against the Zone hosts as well as Zone listeners. Oh my goodness! Log on now to 1280zonebracket.com to fill out your bracket for a chance to win a Nordic Track X22i bike. Valued at over $2,000 as well as other great prizes. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, going on now at 1280zonebracket.com. Presented by the store, SNS Roofing, Bullfrog Spas, and Elite Works. Oh, and then I just heard the Final Four. I just have Gonzaga, BYU, Baylor, and West Virginia. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Sister Jean, Loyola Chicago superfan. The most famous nun associated with the NCAA tournament. Icon, I think we should go with. Oh, we can go with Icon. Has <laughs> BYU to the Final Four. Make it happen, Sister Jean. Okay, which, if Sister Jean is correct, which one is true? Ooh, good question. (laughs) Faith crises coming up. Are we going to the Vatican? Are we going to Salt Lake? (laughs) Maybe neither. She just knows how to fill out a bracket. Oh, of course, you would deny faith. That's so you. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Got a long history of that. Three times before the cock crows. Coo, coo, coo. What was that? Crowing. <laughs> okay. Feels like someone stepped on a pigeon. All right. We just had on Carlos Silva Jr. covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. He laid things out. You were just talking about the game. Uh, Texas Tech is a four-point favorite, PK. They defend. They rebound. They're athletic. They don't match up with Kata. So they also play a lot of low-scoring games. They've won a few games where they allowed 70 points, but basically if you get to 70, you beat Texas Tech. And that, that, is, that is a winning number. 65 might be. There are a lot of teams Texas Tech has held to 60 points and below. And we have seen Utah State struggle to get to 20 points in the first half of three of their last four games. So the offense has got to be cooking a little bit. And however they do it, whether it's Kata is bigger than the front line, if they collapse on Kata and he throws it out, three-point shooters have got to hit their open shots. I don't care if they do it in fast break, offensive rebounds, whatever. they got to score. 65 might win the game. 70 will. But if you're in the 50s, good luck with that. Yeah, but you can say that about any team, any time. Uh, if you're in the 50s, good luck with that. That's just not a, an offensive production that you can 
count on to win very many games with the three-point line. Yeah, Kata's going to have to make quick decisions because my guess is they're going to at least double, if not triple them. So these guys got to keep moving, move to spaces to where the defense vacated. So being cutting to the hoop type of deal, and then these shooters – I mean, we can. I can name them for you, Ashworth and so forth, and Brock Miller, and these guys got to make some shots, man. Make some outside shots. Put some pressure on Texas Tech to realize, man, we just can't rely on our defense. We're going to have to make shots because this other team's getting shots. And they should have open shots, too, because I can't imagine they're just going to allow Utah State to throw the ball into Cata and have him be single-covered by someone who is three or four inches shorter than he is. We also talked BYU. They are waiting for the winner of tonight's game between Michigan State and UCLA. Bruins have lost four in a row. All the tournament teams, you have documented a couple of injuries that have set them back big time over the course of this season. Michigan State started 2-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Played a lot better to get to this position, or they wouldn't even be in the tournament, obviously. Uh, but 7-5 and five in their last 12, and two losses to Maryland. I mean, they've beaten some very good teams. They split with Michigan. They beat Ohio State and Illinois, so that's all impressive. The two losses to Maryland, does that give UCLA or in the next round BYU a little bit of hope that, hey, Michigan State's good, but they're also beatable? Well, of course they're beatable. That's why they're in a the play-in game. And they're not near record-wise to what they were. But, I, you know, I'm not close to the situation. And with COVID, how much of that factor in and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of crazy. You know, I was watching on last Saturday, and they had the title games. and uh, The ACC, Georgia Tech, oh, Josh Pastner, he was a walk-on at Arizona, and I remember him. And they've arrived. They've won the conference. Well, yeah, I mean, they had a bye into the finals that Virginia couldn't play. And how do we even know they would have beaten Virginia? It's just, it's screwy. Now, I'm not going to discount the team who wins, or if you get NCAA wins and say they're illegitimate, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go so far as that. But at the same time, things are screwy this year. So maybe that's somewhat of an effect on how things turned out for some teams, but some teams were able to handle it better than others, all these types of things. And when the ball goes up, it doesn't really matter. And so if the Cougars should be playing Michigan State, what they did against Maryland, because, I mean, I can offshoot that. Um, They have, in terms of wins and seeding anyway, they have probably uh, top five representative wins there. You're going to have to play well. That's what it boils down to, as opposed to trying to dissect this or that versus the opponent. When you get out on the floor, you're going to have to play well. That's what we know to be true. And that brings us to the Jazz. Are they going to get on the floor and play well against the Wizards? If the Jazz play well, you would think that they would win comfortably against a Wizard team that's going back-to-back after losing to Sacramento at the buzzer. A Wizards team that's 11 games under five hundred. No Mike Conley. Hamstring management. Nothing to worry about. Sounds precautionary. That's Hammy Man. Hammy Man. He should be back for Tampa Bay and the Toronto Raptors. But... They're 7-0 when he's been out. So if they play well, then no worries. I guess the question is, will they play well? Or the soft turnovers you were talking about, is that going to haunt them? Is that going to the last guy you want to throw the ball to, just loosely just lob it in the direction of Russell Westbrook because he's going to fly 60 or 80 feet, whatever it is, and throw that thing down. And you don't need that. Well, 
Is Smith is out for Washington. Now, how do I know that? It's because somehow I am on a 19-person text chain that includes a bunch of jazz media folks, I guess, because I don't even know most of the folks on here. I don't have them in my pro programmed in my phone, so I don't know what their names are. But uh, somehow I'm I'm on this. Today I learned that Ish Smith is still in the league. Ish, what did you say about Ish Smith? I, today I learned that he is still in the league. Uh, well, he's got a cool first name. He does. And I guess if your last name is Smith, you don't want it to be Bob, right? Go <laughs> Ish. Uh, so they're going back and forth on this injury report, and uh, you know about uh, is it uh, Westbrook going to be out because uh, you know, he's getting up there, and the, the Wizards really they're they're not playing for anything right now, right? They've got one of the five worst records in the NBA. So if Russell Westbrook or Bradley Beal start taking games off for small things, tank mode. I don't know if it'll pay off in the lottery, but if you think it might give you better odds, it wouldn't be surprising if they did it. Uh, so. But Ishmith, apparently, that's according to Locke. That's the official word is Ishmith is out. So uh, is that advantage Jazz? Or advantage Washington? You got Hammy Man and Ishmith out. Fun with words. And that's really all we have at the end of the day is words. <laughs> uh, the West last night, the Clippers were the uh, the best team that got beat, and they got beat pretty soundly. Dallas was in control of that game most of the way. They win 105-89. Luka Doncic did whatever he wanted and ended up with 42 points and 9 assists and the victory. What a flare. Yeah. Is Denver going to ca- catch the Clippers? How far are the Clippers falling here? They're free falling. Tom Petty, ladies and gentlemen, there he is. Uh, Tom Petty tribute band is going to be down at Tuacon, I think, uh, maybe even later this month, next month, if you're interested, want to get down there. Clippers are one game in front of the Nuggets. Clippers are fourth, Nuggets are fifth. Denver's like been a to top four team two years in a row. I would like to see that matchup in the first round. That would be that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Right. If the Jazz stay in the one spot, then we'd all be watching it. Assuming the Jazz handle the eight, they get the winner of the four five series. Clippers Nuggets, absolutely. Know the teams, know the players, ought to be competitive. Denver's won a couple of seven game first round series the last two years. That might set up as a long series too. Yeah, I'd be interested in that one. That 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 would capture my attention for sure. I mean, just about anyone in the West would be, particularly as you angle for the Jazz to see, well, could they face this team, face that team? Uh, and if it plays out, probably going to face the Lakers, uh, see where the Lakers finish. Uh, looking at uh, possibly second round and against the Suns, how would that be for the Suns? Would, they, would the Suns even win the first round? I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff, but I know when we get there, we'll be interested in finding out. Uh, other games in the NBA, the uh, the Nuggets keep it rolling. They are uh, they are eight and two in their last ten, and they beat the Hornets one twenty nine to one oh four. You see Michael uh, Porter doing the uh, yeah. LeBronish no look three in the corner. I mean, he didn't talk to his teammates, so it wasn't quite the same thing. He didn't put a bet down on it, but. <laughs> the spin, no look, run back down the court. He did do that. He had 28 points, 13 boards. You know, that's the that's the 
It's the guy Nugget fans are hoping he'll be. Oh, for sure, yeah. When you talk about the proverbial X factor on that team, I think Porter is your guy because, you know, Jokic didn't have a big scoring game. He didn't need it. I think he only took seven shots from the field. I think it was like six or seven. Uh, he did some other stuff. He had the, the digits, double digits, I think, in the rebounds and the assists. Uh, and Jamal Murray, you know, normally you can pencil him in for 18, 19, maybe as much as 25, 26. Uh, but what are they going to do? You need more than that. You know, the Jazz have a lot of balance. The Nuggets don't have a lot of balance. But if Porter can do what he did, then, yeah, he, he makes them very good and dangerous in the postseason. Former uh, NBA star, former uh, BYU Cougar Sean Bradley suffered a traumatic spinal cord injury that left him paralyzed after being hit by a car from behind while riding his bike a block from his home in St. George on January 20th. He underwent neck fusion surgery and has spent the past eight weeks hospitalized and undergoing rehabilitation and obviously tragic for Bradley and his, his family and his friends. And PK, you were recounting a long list of people that you know or associated yeah. with who've yeah. been in really serious, in some cases, fatal bike wrecks. Absolutely. I told you Kirk Craigthorpe's sister-in-law, his wife's sister, riding a bike. I think if I remember the story, she was out on a lunch break somewhere on the west side and got mowed down. And then one of my friends that is I play in a little men's league out of River Oaks. We do nine holes on Tuesdays. And his sister, his sister. And her husband were out down in Utah County, and guy mowed into him, killed her, just friggin' killed her, man. Blew her up, and uh, the husband lived, but obviously had all sorts of issues there. Yeah, another friend of mine, a dentist, got run over. Gosh, man, it's, it's just scary. It's scary. And Sean Bradley, is he going to be – uh, paralyzed for the rest of his life. I mean, how bad would that suck? A Another lot. friend, of, a friend of mine, um, a motorcycle a car pulled out, and he tried to sway. And this is just a couple months back, and uh, he got his leg amputated below the the knee, his left leg. Oh my goodness, man! Wow, these just incredible tragedies. Other topics we have had, uh, we have been discussing this morning. Uh, one of them was assisting BYU and Utah State in killing time on the road after Alex Barcelo with a fairly humorous list of ways to kill time in a hotel. Now, they're, they're getting down to it here. They're not to game time yet. At least tonight, BYU will watch UCLA, Michigan State oh, and see who they're going to play. They've got more than 48 hours to go. Who? How? How can you kill time in a hotel? Uh, I mean, charades is always a good game. <laughs> charades. You don't need anything, you know? You just stand up and away you go, You could right? do it all on video. You could Zoom, Zoom charades. I'm sure they got multiple whiteboards. Pictionary, baby. Pictionary. Ugh. The thing with Pictionary is I absolutely suck at drawing. You and me both. I have zero. Zero artistic skill? Yeah, nothing. Why all do you think I you work can in radio? do. I only have one skill if you can call it a skill, that is it. And I have the ability to pop off. And you do it at a very elite level. And that's, that's it, though. Now, fortunately for me, thank Sister Jean's God, thank your God, and it's probably the same God, 
I was able to find a way to make money off of it. Or else I would be just useless. And I'm virtually useless as it is. But Pictionary, I hated playing that because I can't draw a thing beyond a stick figure. Yeah, I got nothing for you there. I'm going to criticize nobody's uh, artwork because I don't want anyone to see mine. I had a roommate in college who was just a big-time artist. Oh, my goodness. And he'd sit around, and he went to ASU, and he'd draw naked people all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My dad is talented. My mother-in-law is talented. My daughter's talented. But it skipped me. I got nothing for you. And it used to bug me because he would do his homework, and he would just blast the music because it's like he didn't have to read anything. You know what I mean? It wasn't that type where I'm doing homework. I got to go in a, in a in a building that, you know, he has no sound or else two sentences into it, I've lost my attention, <laughs> particularly on all the elective courses that you had to take. And you didn't care about anthropology, but you had to take it to get the degree, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it always used to bug me. I'd have to leave because he would blast the music because he'd be doing all this drawing stuff. So he could just have the music going. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm trying to concentrate. I got to memorize right. a list here. Kill right, and that his concentration actually was enhanced by music. Got the creative juices flowing. Yeah, and he was really, really talented. And they had a toga night, a place called Freddy's, and we went, and he wore a towel, one of those towels that you would get at, at uh, a game to wipe the sweat, huh. so not even like a beach towel, just a little towel. That's what he wore. That's confidence. He was a killer with the ladies, and I went along with him. And we'd have this plan where he'd start talking to them, and in order to get their names, he would uh, he would act like he knew them, but he really didn't. And then he would introduce me, and then that person, the lady, would introduce would, herself. You'd say to me, "I'm PK," yeah. and then they'd say whatever their name yeah. is, and then he'd have their name. And so we're at this place in Freddy's. And it's jammed. It's a dive bar just uh, east of ASU. It's probably not there anymore. But it's it's just packed. It's like on a Monday night. And I can remember there was this guy standing over my left shoulder. And he tells this other guy, he says, can you look, look at this guy? And you could tell because it went up his hip. All he has on is like an athletic towel. And he's telling his friend. And the guy who's telling his friend who was standing to my left, you may have heard of him. Because his name was Byron Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, we don't do much over the course of this, uh, of the run we've had here. You know, radio's changed in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons. And one thing we used to do a lot of that we don't do anymore, that Scotty, Scotty G as our leader does not believe has any impact whatsoever is, you know, doing a lot of giveaways. Right? Used to be hourly, if not twice an hour. Giveaway, 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 right? And Scotty doesn't think it has any impact on the ratings at all, and we've kind of gotten away from that. But can you imagine back in the day when we were giving stuff away, if, if we had the technology to give away time travel so you could go hang out with the ASU version of PK for 24 <laughs> hours? Can you imagine what the phones would look like, Yach? Just the curiosity factor alone. Well, we all grow up. (laughs) Right? (laughs) College is a unique time in our lives. And you are surrounded by unique people you will not be surrounded by again. But you got more stories.
All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback, everything you got to say about today's show on the way. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your feedback, what you have to say about today's show. Sister Jean has picked BYU to the Final Four. Do you believe in miracles? You put that up on our Facebook page, PK. I put it up on Twitter, and on Twitter it has 108 likes. I take that to mean there are a lot of BYU fans who are hoping Sister Jean can make a miracle happen. <laughs> Sister Jean. Yeah. Sister Jean, make a miracle happen. Well, BYU to the Final Four. Will they canonize her if this if she pulls this off? They will in Provo. Saint Sister Jean? <laughs> I don't know what the Vatican will have to say I'm about saying. it, but I got a good idea what the Marriott Center will have to say about it. I have good point. Big old picture of Sister Jean up on the wall. Sister Jean is my lover in terms of predicting BYU to the Final Four. Not the perfect lyrics. You're going to have to perfect those. <laughs> there might be something there, but it's going to take some work. Rhino says the good sister Lola is just trolling Ute fans because we covet her coach. <laughs> <laughs> Way to tie I, multiple storylines together, Rhino. Are a Rick Majerus disciple. See? I seriously doubt that she has any knowledge of that. I could be wrong. She's 101 years old, so I think she's got a little experience. Yeah, I mean, she's a miracle just being 101 years old and being able to be as, uh, what, as with it or however you want to say it. I mean, that's just incredible. Eldrick tweets at us. uh, Technically, uh, Eldrick Woods, yes. That is Tiger. Uh, Eldrick Woods at LKR Room Talk. Uh, technically, if you go to BYU, then I would consider being on campus as a holdup. I think they might have a competitive advantage based on that. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah. Who's, who's more prepared for a week in a hotel doing nothing than somebody who goes to BYU? That's basically uh, Eldrick's point. But I'm pretty sure if you want to do whatever, you can do it in Provo or the surrounding communities. Uh, there are all kinds of stories about people driving to Salt Lake and to Park City and to Heber City. Collect those stories easily if you prefer. That's why I moved to Sandy, because there's no stories about that. No, there really isn't, Sandy. It's <laughs> as boring as it gets. <laughs> Your religious neighborhood in Sandy, as JT once said. <laughs> One of the all-timers, you and I look at each other like, oh, boy. <laughs> Tell me which one isn't. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Uh, oh, wow. This is, uh, this is old school right here. Sister Jean has picked BYU to the Final Four. Do you believe in miracles? And Carol Merrill <laughs> tweets back at us, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Carol Merrill. Nice, Carol. Who's Carol Merrill? Carol Merrill was on a game show a long time ago. And it was, um, I think it was Let's Make a Deal. And the, oh, the gal when they'd open up the yeah, boxes do or you the want, or whatever? Yeah, do you okay, want okay, whatever gotcha, prize gotcha, you've gotcha. just won, or do you want what's in the box that Carol Merrill is standing next to? Gotcha. I knew I knew that name. Right. Yeah. Carol Merrill. <laughs> and honestly, you could show me a picture for a million bucks. I couldn't tell you who she was, but I just remember the name because Carol Merrill rhymes. Carol Merrill. She's, she's sort of the former day Vanna White. Yes, yes, you're right. Vanna White before Vanna. Vanna followed in her foot. In her fo- Vanna followed in her lucrative footsteps. Yeah. 
How do you kill the time at the hotel? Brian Skinner says watching the General Conference archives. Okay, that'll kill time. <laughs> <laughs> that'll kill time. <laughs> Two hours at a time, one after another. Yeah, they shortened about an hour 30, so. They're shorter now? Yeah, they are shorter. Well, go old school because you got more time to kill. Man, this president's come in and made a whole bunch of changes, huh? They are making lots of changes, yes, but they do have a lot of archival footage that you can watch in that regard. Jeff Williams says they need to stage a Monopoly tournament. How long does a Monopoly game take? Is that about a is that about a ninety minute game? Two hours? You get a tournament. You get a you get uh, you got a team and coaches. You got a sixteen team bracket. That'd kill some time. That's that's too intense for me. That's like <laughs> going to the movies and watching Schindler's List. <laughs> you know, I mean, I realize it's important and all, but man, man, that's heavy. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, one. Um, what was a Meryl Streep uh, World War II movie that was such a Did she speak Sophie's in choice? An accent? Probably. I mean, it's kind of why you hire Meryl. Why, why did you pay the extra for Meryl Streep? Because you need I the accent. I absolutely hate that. I, so, I promise you I will never watch another Meryl Streep movie. Sophie, in Sophie's Choice is one. If you haven't seen it, you'll be that. Well, I'm going to choose not to watch so Sophie's heavy. Choice. Yeah. I don't want heavy. I, I want know. light and fluffy. Uh, we did have the list of basketball movies. Long list of basketball movies to kill time. Get yourself in the right mood. You got a favorite basketball movie? One you put at the uh, top I mean, of the list? I mean, the Hoosiers one is iconic, isn't it? Yes, it is. Is there anything more iconic than Hoosiers? No, yeah, but you want fun. You just want laughs. I mean, if Will Ferrell makes a basketball movie, all right, there's going to be some slapstick humor in that. I mean, you want something light and airy. That's, oh, that's the cotton candy of movies right there. Tasted good. I don't know what it was, but it's gone now. Well, melted yeah, away. Follow that up with an Adam Sandler one. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but I don't think when we think of basketball, I don't think anything supersedes Hoosiers. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Telling childhood stories uh, earlier because Alex Barcelo said uh, hide and go seek, which uh, played a lot of as a kid. Greg says DJ tell the childhood story when you pretended to be really sick and tricked Dan Fouts into paying you a visit. That's a Brady bunch. That's how they had Joe Namath on the show. I don't feel good. Bobby pretended to be sick, and Bobby was Bobby and Cindy cooked up something where Bobby, Bobby? the youngest, the the youngest boy and the youngest girl, cooked up this scheme to get Joe Namath to visit. They wrote a letter that Bobby was dying, and Joe got the letter and felt all guilt trip and showed and knocked on the door. And Alice is looking at him like, "What are you doing here?" You know. Which of course they had, they had celebrity walk-ons. Don Drysdale was on the show. I can. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't remember the Joe Namath. Namath ended up in the backyard playing catch with Greg Brady. Yep. You have his phone number. You went over and interviewed him at the uh, Liberty Park tennis courts. Called Barry I have Williams. Spoken to Barry, Barry on the phone. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, go talk uh, to Barry and say, Barry, you really played catch with Joe Namath when you were a teenager. So Joe Namath. I yeah, I don't remember that at all. I remember that episode in a rerun. Joe so. Namath was on that show and. And he showed up the door, and who answered all? I don't know. I, I assume Alice. It could have been the parents. They, they were all fr- the, all the adults were freaked out that Joe Namath showed up, and then they had to get to the bottom of what he's doing there. And you know, Bobby, and then they realized Bobby lied because there was always a See, moral. Now, I to know the Scotty's story. now getting a little nervous, but we do have an Alice story that involves that involves DJ. Scotty's Scotty's listening because he texted us. <laughs> so, and who did what, to Alice? <laughs> Never mind. Yes, please recreate Scotty that drop so I can hold on to it. Show. 
By the way, Scotty, what Scotty texts us about is he doesn't want to hang out with ASU PK. He wants Northern Arizona PK. I don't even want to hang out with Northern Arizona PK. <laughs> you didn't want to hang out with Northern Arizona PK when you were Northern Arizona PK. That's why you transferred to ASU. I know. And I went to UCSB. Of all the things I'm doing, a winner in Flagstaff sounds awful. Especially for the bunch of people from Phoenix who aren't used to it. Yeah, I'll hang out with high school PK, and I'll hang out with ASU PK, but NAU PK can go up to 7,000 feet and sit in the snow all winter by himself. I'm not cut out for that. Coming up, Scotty G and Hans next. And uh, ask Hans about Between Two Ferns if you want. He's having a lot of fun on Twitter with that. DJ PK, they're on the way.